All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, those watching on Facebook. <laughs> Good to see y'all this evening. Uh, let me turn the music off. How about that? That'll help. Yes. We're going to be in Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter tonight. We're having a good study through our book, so it's good to see y'all here. So let's uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for being able to study your word, Lord. We, we, we love you. We love your word, and we love the work that it does in us, and Bless us tonight as we look at this chapter in Deuteronomy. May our fellowship be uh, sweet. May we learn more about you and your word and what you require of us and learn about the gospel and how we see the gospel in the Old Testament. Uh, just bless us as we spend time in your word. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, Dave. Good to see you, sir. All right, so we're in uh, the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy tonight. Uh, I had a good lunch today with uh, Bob uh, St. John. Uh, we had at Brad's Barbecue, our favorite favorite spot. Yeah, Brad's. But uh, we had a good lunch, and uh, we talked about pastoral matters and some other things. And pray for your pastor and pray for other pastors. Uh, pastors deal with, with, with a lot, and ABC is uh, dealing with a lot of things and uh, that we talked about and shared and prayed for. Just continue to remember them and our other churches also. Uh, pastors, uh, being a pastor can be very encouraging at times and very discouraging at times. And, uh, you know, that's the way pastoral ministry is because uh, we're sinners and we're ministering to other sinners. And... Um, we always need the Lord's help in, in what we do, and it's always good to be in fellowship with other uh, brothers, co-laborers in the gospel. So we had a good uh, lunch today. Uh, we're going to do our baptism Sunday at 1 o'clock at ABC uh, for Grace, so that's where we were kind of getting the logistics of that together. So we'll leave church here, and I hope all you all join us as we go down there and celebrate this baptism for, uh, for Grace. I hope you all can join us. It'll be at 1 o'clock. I'm expecting everyone to be there, you know, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, we'll leave here and just go down there to ABC, and they, they have everything set up for us. Their deacons are going to set everything up, so that'll be uh, Sunday. Yes, ma'am. Well, <laughs> yes, ma'am. If you've been baptized once, you don't, you don't have to be baptized again unless... Okay, we can, we could talk about it. We'll we'll talk about it uh, uh, tonight, and I can call you tomorrow. We can we could talk about that. I was baptized when I was. T well, we'll uh, I'll talk to you tonight after church. How about that? I mean, I was baptized when I was ten, but that, you know, it wasn't a believer's baptism. It was you know the old traditional Baptist church thing, and uh, so we'll yeah we we'll, we'll talk about that. Yes, ma'am. So let's turn to the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy and. Uh, I'm ready to dive in. I've been studying this all week, and I was sharing with uh, Bob what we're going to be studying tonight. And uh, so there, there are three different uh, types of instructions here in this chapter. The first deals with uh, the provisions for the uh, priests and the Levites, and then the abominable practices that they were to stay away from. And then the third section deals with uh, a new prophet like Moses that uh, who's going to rise up and uh, we'll look at how that points to uh, points to Christ so let's treat these three sections here so let's look at the first section begin at verse 1 it says uh, the Levitical priests all the tribe of Levi shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel uh, they shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance they shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep, 
For they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain and of your wine and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep. You shall give them. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. And if a Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives and he may come when he desires to the place that the Lord would choose and minister in the name of the Lord his God like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the sale of his patrimony. Now the ESV says uh, patrimony uh, that last word what do some of the other translations say patrimony okay okay so this first section here um, puts the responsibility upon Israel to support the priestly ministers of God that's in essence what uh, this section deals with uh, the priests were the ones who uh, intermediated between the people and God they serve as the intermediaries the intercessors uh, offering the sacrifices to the Lord and of course we know the high priest offered the uh, sacrifice on the day of atonement so the the priests were the servants of uh, God's people and so they needed uh, support so the work of ministry uh, in Israel required the support of the people because the Levites had administrative assignments uh, for the Lord's uh, people. So God was instructing them to basically uh, take care of those who labor in serving the Lord on their behalf. And of course, uh, in our context, that includes, uh, you know, in, in the church context, it includes the elders and also primarily the elders and also the deacons who who work as a servants of the Lord's people too. Uh, so in this context here, we see what God requires of Israel uh, to do. It says that uh, verse three, this shall be due. I'm sorry, this shall be the priests due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep. And it says what they should give to them, the shoulder and the two cheeks and the uh, stomach. So, Parts of the sacrifices and first fruits are for the upkeep of the Levites. Remember, they didn't live in a they lived in a agrarian society. Uh, they lived in a commodified society where, um, instead of having like physical money, uh, animals were used. It's almost like bartering. Uh, animals were used uh, as a commodity uh, to to pay people. Uh, so a person's wealth was determined by how many animals they had. You know, Abraham was very rich and very wealthy because he had a lot of livestock. So the more livestock you had, the the more wealthy you 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 are or you were or during this time. So they lived in a commodified uh society. Uh so that's why they were offered certain you're like, why are they you know getting the shoulder and the cheeks and the stomach? You know, again, context is always important looking at um, you know the type of society that they lived in in uh, antiquity but also besides that verse 4 says the first fruits of their grain they, they tithe their grain uh, the wine and the oil and the first uh, fleece of your sheep so when they they sheared the sheep um, you shall give him for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister. So they had to be provided for in order to, to do that. So this was teaching them uh, stewardship and stewarding what God has given them, uh, the animals that they had uh, to tend to, the, the grain that they, you know, the, the plot of land that they had to tend to the grain and, and grow everything. They had to uh, give a portion of that to, to the Levites. So that is teaching uh, the biblical stewardship of their possessions. Uh, they had to use some of them to take care of uh, the men of God. Now, why did God not give them land? Uh, why did he? Well, when you read the book of Joshua, you'll see that. You'll see that repeated, uh, that the, the Levites, their portion was the Lord. They didn't have land. But 
The reason why they didn't have the land is because they needed uh, time to focus more on their ministry and not worrying about tending to the land. So uh, that was one of the reasons why God did not give the Levites uh, land because they needed time to focus on their uh, ministry of service. Uh, so that means I need to sell my house. <laughs> no, but but that's that, that was one of the pur- main purposes why God did not give them uh, land uh, was so that they could uh, commit fully to their God uh, given ministry. And that's why the, the, the onus was on the people to take care of them because they didn't have an allotted uh, land to to stay in. Then it said in verse six uh, that Levites who ministered basically in the country have the right to come down from time to time to minister in the sanctuary. It says, if any Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives, and he may come when he desires to the place that the Lord would choose. So wherever God chose them to to worship the central sanctuary, we went over that in earlier chapters here. And ministers in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the sale of his his patrimony. So uh, patrimony is basically your personal property. Okay, that's that's what uh, patrimony is. It's, it's your uh, personal property. Think about it, you have alimony, you have patrimony. Okay, so patrimony is your own personal property. Okay, and um, the pat the, the pat prefix is is male. Okay, so that's why you have patrimony is is, is a male's personal property. So that's where that that word comes from. So basically, a, a Levite who was traveling. Uh, from time to time uh, being itinerant or going to different places they could go wherever a central place of worship was and be able to uh, serve also there was some equality in that uh, which I think is uh, good so apart from his share of the offerings they have running from their own personal uh, you know belongings so I think this is showing the equality of that that type of uh that uh, that type of leadership there there wasn't any favorites being played or anything like that so not not treating one Levite better than the other okay so that's what God was establishing here so um, now we get down to so that's the first thing is 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 being good stewards and and taking care of those who who serve uh, the Lord on behalf of the people. So now we get down to the section um, for abominable practices. And when I was reading this, it reminded me, it took me back to Deuteronomy the 12th chapter because uh, the Lord basically said the same thing to them. And, you know, if you notice in Deuteronomy, there's a pattern of repeating the warnings and commands. Why is that? Because we forget things, don't we? We need constant reminders of, of, of what God uh, requires. So he says here in verse 9, When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, it gives a negative first. You shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you uh, or who burns rather his son or his daughter as an offering anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer a medium or a necromancer one who inquires of the dead for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord and because of these abominations the Lord your God is driving them out from before you you shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So, what were some of the practices? First of all, God says you shall not learn. God knows us as, as sinners. He knows how hearts can be. 
He knows that many people have a natural curiosity regarding the occult and occultic practices. He knows that. And curiosity often leads people to gain knowledge that God commands them to leave alone. If you think about it, okay, I was, uh, I had to go to Melissa's job yesterday to get her to sign her policy receipt for her life insurance policy. And uh, it was a family standing at the door about to go out and, and she said, uh, hey guys, this is, this is my pastor. And as soon as she said the word pastor, the lady walked out like immediately, like she got out like I had the plague or something. And the guy that was with her started like laughing in a mocking way and, and he went out and then he turned back around and said, hey man, I'm sorry. And then he, he, went, he went back out and then, you know, Melissa kind of explained to me that, that they're wicked. And I said, uh, I, I said their, their motto is to first do no harm. You know, I said, <laughs> I said, I'm not triggered by that, but you know, she's not, she, she's doing harm by, 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 you know, mocking me the way that she did. But I told her, I said, you know, I pray for all the time because you're around all these parents and people that have these different practices. But the, the problem is that even when those type of environments, we can be tempted. Cause she said the lady, you know, she reads crystals and all those different things and whatnot. Some of us probably know people who do that. Uh, you know, reading crystals and uh, tarot cards, uh, horoscopes and all this stuff. Those things can see very, they can seem very tempting to do. So that's why God said you should not learn. You should not even have a curiosity about occultic practices because it, it turns into syncretism where you, you try to worship God and worship paganism at the same time. Like I said about in First Samuel, the uh, sixth chapter, seventh chapter, when the Ark of the Covenant was seated next to uh, Dagon, you know the 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 Philistine god, and the the statue fell, and then the second time the the head and the arms fell off, and then they took it to each city, and you know everything was going bad. The reason why was because that, 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 that like I said, the principle in that was God's presence not being around evil and around pagan practices. Those two things don't don't mesh they don't they don't coexist they don't sync with each other they're uh totally incompatible you know so the ark of the covenants uh in the same place as a pagan deity you know <laughs> god's presence brought trouble to that deity that statue and also to the different cities that those philistines took the ark into because they didn't know what to do with it you know so so that that shows that you know syncretism doesn't doesn't work. Uh, worshiping God and worshiping paganism are not compatible at all. And God was showing Israel that don't be like these pagans. Okay, don't learn. Don't even be curious about what they do. Well, why they? Hey, uh, you know, if you're curious in a way where well, you want to minister the gospel to them, and that's different. But not curious in the fact of trying to do it yourself to. To see if it's, you know, the, the only curiosity we should have is, is asking them, hey, tell me why you, um, wh what's the significance of these uh, crystals? You know, tell me about that. What, what, does it, what does it do for you? And then you listen to them talk, and then you can kind of explain, you know, first of all, uh, I was thinking yesterday, I said, a crystal is just a piece of rock. You know, <laughs> it has no powers in it. Uh, it, it just doesn't. Uh, but can that crystal uh, make you live a hundred years? You know, that's what I heard. Uh, a Ken Ham, I was at a I was at a worldview conference in Ken Ham, the Answers in Genesis guy, Creation Museum. He said, if you see someone, with the, I can't talk in this Australian accent, but he 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 said, ask him a question. Can that can that crystal uh, cause you to live a hundred years? Uh, of course, the answer is no. So, what power does it actually have? And so you, you get them to think about those questions, but you can have those kind of curiosity questions, but not curious to the point where you want to do it yourself. Because we know that that's, that's pantheism where people say that God and energy is in created things. Uh, trees, mountains, rocks, you know, all those things carry some type of power in them uh, when they don't. So being curious about it, to a point where you want to practice it and see if it works for you is not what God uh, desires. And so that's why he's telling Israel, you should not learn to follow the abominations of these nations. 
Then he goes on and says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. Now, this was the, uh, the practice of the worship of the Canaanite god Moloch, where these uh, pagans, they sacrificed their children to their pagan god. Just think about offering your son or your daughter as a burnt offering. Think about that. But they did this. Um, it, it was a way to seek divine guidance and help. So they would burn their own children in order to seek guidance from their pagan God. They would burn their own children. They would sacrifice their own children to do that. Often offering their children to Moloch. Okay. So I can only imagine how low the fertility rate was <laughs> during this time. Um, but that's what they did. They, they offered their children, their sons and their daughters uh, to sacrifice them on the. And, and, you know, this is the thing. Uh, abortion is so abominable because in ancient cultures, they had a very low view of children. You know, and in, in, uh, I talked about this in my sermon a couple of weeks ago. In ancient Rome, people who didn't want their children, they threw them out in the streets or threw them in trash heaps. You know, they didn't have dumpsters and all that back then. If, if, if a woman gave birth to, to the child and didn't want the child, the, the husband or the father would take the baby and throw it out in the street or throw it out in a trash heap. And Christians would come along and take those babies and adopt them. Huh? What'd you say, Daniel? Yep, that's what they did. The, the, the Christians in Roman society took those babies and adopted them. Because uh, the, the Romans were pagans, and, and pagans don't have a high view of children. They look at children as, as disposable. And, and look what these pagans did. Look what these Canaanites did. They offered their children. So think about people who think it's convenient to murder their own children in the womb because it's an inconvenience or because they say, well, I can't afford or so forth and so on. It's, it's the same principle behind it. You're sacrificing your child to worship the pagan god of self. Okay? Because you're so self-centered and so narcissistic that you're willing to murder your own child in the womb for convenience sake. That's pagan worship. And that's what these pagans were doing, these Canaanites. They were doing it to uh, seek divine guidance or help. So... God was saying, don't be like the pagans. Don't burn your children. Don't sacrifice your children. But he also said, anyone who practices, and we, we went over this before in Deuteronomy 12, but God repeats it for a reason. Um, practice witchcraft. And all of these are forms of witchcraft. Uh, what is it? Divination. Um, fortune telling interpreting omens or dreams uh, sorcery charming mediums necromancers or uh, one who inquires of the dead now there's a modern form of witchcraft called uh, or, or wicca and uh, people claim you know they, they call it white witchcraft you know and, and stereotypically you know one of my favorite movies you know the wizard of Oz, the wicked witch of the west you know she had the, the black on you know the tall black hat the, you know th that, that was the old stereotypical um witch was was always dressed in what black but now you have to sanitize it to make it more uh, friendly you know give it a makeover so now uh, they call things like uh wicca white witchcraft as opposed to black witchcraft you know you hear about black magic and all those things uh so what they say is they're using their spiritual powers for good instead of evil like you know casting spells which you can't do anyway but you know casting spells and putting curses on people and yeah people actually think <laughs> they actually think that things are cursed like uh the Boston Red Sox, you know, they won the, what was it, 2004? They, you know, they, they uh, won the World Series after, uh, how many years was it? 
since 1918. So, what, 90, almost 90 years, they went without. They said that the Red Sox were cursed. It was a cursed franchise because they said the Chicago Cubs were a cursed franchise. You talk about the Kennedy family is cursed because of all the, you know, people dying young. You know, you had John Kennedy assassinated. You had Robert uh, Kennedy assassinated in 1968. You had Ted Kennedy, whose wife, uh, girlfriend, something died in a car. You know, all these things happen to these families. Oh, that family must be cursed. You know, that's, that's, that, that's witchcraft. And, and you have people who talk like that. Or they say houses are cursed or cities are, 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 are cursed. That's invoking witchcraft. And so we are not to, to practice those things. We can't put spells. We can't put hexes on people. And no one can put a hex or a spell on us. Okay? That, that, that stuff is not, is not real. Um, so God was telling them not to practice divination or fortune telling. I remember when I was, uh, it had to be in the 80s and 90s. Remember the Psychic Friends Network? Uh, with Dion Warwick, yeah. uh, used to come on <laughs> television. I think it was a nine, a one nine hundred number, and they would have like uh, two dollars for the first minute, and you know fifty cents for you know they had the old Psychic Friends Network thing, and those people were making a lot of money. <laughs> I mean Montel Williams, his show he had I think it was Joy Brown, he's had this Psychic coming on named Joy Brown every week uh, when Mon Montel Williams had a show, and the thing about it, all her. All her little stuff proved to be untrue. You know, because she made a lot of money uh, appearing on that show. And people in the audience would, you know, tell her stuff. And the thing about it is that even if they got something right, it was demonically inspired. You know, it's like Carlton Weather said, even a blind squirrel can find a nut. So, you know, they, they may get things right. But it's not from God. It's It's demonic. It's demonically influenced and demonically empowered. But people who are not discerning don't know that. Oh, this, she knew when I was born. She knew my mom died. She knew this, that, and other. You know, those things can happen, but they are demonically influenced. And they're meant to deceive people. And meant to pull them into those practices. So guess what? They began to practice those things. And that's what God was protecting his people from by not doing those things. Charming. Uh, you know, sorcery is basically another form of, of, uh, of uh, witchcraft. You have all these different gods that we have now, like the god of uh, Gaia, which is earth. Uh, here, you hear terms like uh, Mother Earth. That's uh, pantheism. Uh, which means that God is in everything. Uh, you know, that's that, that, that the earth is our mother. You know, you hear about saving, saving the earth activities because they're, they're pantheists. They believe that divine life force is in the earth, that the earth itself is a person, basically. You know, you hear people say, don't hurt the earth. They, they, they personify the earth. That's witchcraft. That's, that's divination. But you have people going and hugging, calling tree huggers. They go up and, and camp out in trees, uh, you know, in, for, in areas that are being deforested, you know, to, to keep people from cutting down trees. And so all these are uh, satanic. It's part of witchcraft. It seems nice and noble. Like I said, it's, it's so-called good witchcraft. <laughs> That's like saying something evil is good. Like there's a good evil and an evil evil. No, evil is evil. Evil is evil. And some people, again, they, you hear people, uh, I saw today on Facebook, one of my uh, former students, she's a so-called atheist and into that stuff. Uh, she said, please send positive energy my way. I'm going through something right now. You have people that talk about that. Sending healing energy someone's way. D don't we hear that kind of language in our culture now? Huh? Yep, positive vibes. That's another one. It is. It is a huge one. Positive vibes. Like s somehow you have the power to change, first of all, your reality and someone else's when you don't. But good vibes, positive. You got T-shirts, good vibes, or good vibes only. You know, don't bring no negative energy my way. 
And we just say it as toss away phrases, but you know, you have people that get up and do affirmations. They get up, they look in the mirror, and they make all these affirmations about prosperity. So that's witchcraft. You know, looking in the mirror, giving these affirmations. I'm rich. Rich, richness, wealth is going to come to me, you know, and, and, and all those things. And guess what? It doesn't change your reality. But people do that because they're drawn in by it. That's why God told them, don't don't learn these things because you're going to be drawn in by that. And then next thing you know, you're going to start thinking that way. So we have to understand that on the right hand and the left hand it is all it is all evil and it is meant to be um, stayed away from and of course a soothsayer is like uh, astrological type you know people who read horoscopes people who are all into the zodiac sign. I mean when I was in high school I, mean, I wasn't a Christian in high school I remember when I was in high school I was into all that zodiac stuff like who who was my perfect mate you know, I, I I remember reading a book in the school library about uh, like relationships and your perfect zodiac sign match. I remember reading that when I was in high school. Cause back in the eighties, especially with all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff and all that, all that all that was uh, going on. And so, uh, you know, astrology is is unscientific. Okay, it's based based on uh, the you know the sun circles the earth and the positions of the planets and the stars and all those things you know yeah some people that like certain types of moons you hear about the blood moon and all all that stuff is witchcraft you know you hear about the blood moon you know and the moon doesn't even change colors it's the atmosphere the, <laughs> the moon is a, a white silver ball in the sky it's not the, the moon doesn't literally change colors it's the effect of the atmosphere on seeing the moon from that that's why the full moon looks big when it's close to the horizon but as it uh, you know, rises is is looks smaller, but it's still the same size. No, the eclipse basically no. The moon itself doesn't turn colors. No, 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 man, it doesn't. But you have people who worship those things. Oh, it's a blood moon. Or it's a this moon. Or it's a it's a that moon. And that's 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 astrology. That's that's witchcraft. And we easily repeat those things. Uh, and then, of course, omens are like putting curses on on people. Uh, also, tarot card readers, Ouija boards, all that is. is and then, of course, uh, sorceries like drugs and portion potions, rather uh, casting spells. Um, you know, that's what uh, sorcery is um, doing all those things to gain spiritual knowledge or taking psychedelic drugs to get an altered state of of conscience. You know how uh, Charles Manson, you know, the infamous, uh, he wasn't a serial killer, but you know those ladies uh, killed for him, but he orchestrated all that. They they were into all that witchcraft stuff. They took LSD and all those hard drugs to have an altered state of of consciousness. You know, that's 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 witchcraft. That's that's uh that's sorcery. You know, they thought they'd use those drugs, then they'll they'll have more knowledge and insight. They'll begin to pontificate about things and talk about all these things while they were under this drug-induced, um, you know, uh, under the inducement of drugs. That's that's what they did. Perfumes, all these things. And conjures up spells, of course, it says here. Um, a, and a medium, we know what a medium is. A medium is a person who's so-called stands, you know, medium means stand between. Okay. So the medium is supposed to be someone who stands between the physical world and the uh, psychic world. Okay. So you hear people talk about channeling, like channeling someone's spirit. That's basically what a, uh, a medium is. Do you know that, and y'all may not have known this, I, I know I said something about this uh, before, you know, doing the whole BLM stuff, Black Lives Matter stuff of 2020 and 2021. Do you remember when people used to say, say their name? 
Do you know what that was rooted in? That was rooted in channeling those people's spirits. It was rooted in African spiritism, which is witchcraft. But saying a person's name was their way of channeling those people's spirit. That's what that was. So if you said, if you put on Facebook, say their name, Brianna Taylor or all the Rayshard books or whoever all these other names were, you're, you're participating in, 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 in that pagan practice of channeling those people's spirits, calling, basically conjuring up their spirits. That's what that say your, whole say your name thing is all about. It was, it was African spiritism. But again, like God told Israel, don't learn their ways. Why? Because you'll get swept up in it. Next thing you know, you're participating in pagan worship and, and not even knowing it. That's why God warned Israel, and that's why he warns us. We're to be thinking people. We're to be thinking people. We're not to be um, controlled by the spirit of this age. It's easy to, it's easy to do. He's followed. There were times where I was controlled by the spirit of the age, but where I was controlled by the spirit of the age when I was especially when I was younger young dumb and stupid uh, you know by God's grace I become more discerning I question everything uh, that I see in the culture even that Christians are repeating um, because you can't repeat everything just because everybody's doing it you could be participating in something that's wicked and demonic by reposting or just repeating something that you that you see without really uh, thinking about hey why, why do they keep saying say their name say this person's name say that person's name chanting the same thing over and over and over again that's that's that, that's what mediums do yes ma'am yes ma'am Boom. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Or 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 copy and paste this send it to ten people or whatever. Yeah, I don't do any of that, you know. Huh? There you go. I was just about to say that. Superstition. You know, or or, or the same in and this and that and the other happened today. You know, that's right. That uh and that's superstition, which is of course witchcraft. And then, of course, one who calls up the dead. This is necromancy. That's what that is. Uh, conjuring up the dead or contacting the dead. One who looks into the dead or is curious about the dead. And it says here in the poll, James McDowell, this was back in 1989. James McDowell, not James McDowell, John McDowell is a Christian apologist. This was back in 1989. I'm sure this number is higher now because... Uh, more people are rejecting God. He says the proportion of adults who say they have been in touch with the dead has risen from 27 to 42 percent during the uh, past 11 years. And this is back in 1989. Close to 20 million Americans now report, quote, mystical experiences. And this was in 89. So we're what, 30, 32, 33 years later. I'm sure it's even higher now. You know, you have people now that say they're not religious, but they're spiritual it is trash <laughs> it's garbage you know they say they say oh i'm not i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not religious i'm spiritual in other words they're pagan <laughs> that's what it boils down to but you know, a lot of people they they're, they're they're looking for mystical ethereal out of body experiences and unfortunately it's filtered into some sections of the church where people come you know, and, and uh, Vody Balcom preached a sermon on this that was mouth like, man, he is so right. A lot of people come to church looking for an experience. Worship, you, you, he said, you see churches that say worship experience. That's what they say. Come have a worship experience with us. It is, it is feelings based. You're looking for what? Feelings. You're, ex, you know, Worship experience is, is all about having an experience. And that experience becomes experiential. You're, you come to church looking for what? 
and experience. That means the, the worship band and the preacher has to work really hard to entertain you. So that you can leave our church and say, man, I had a great time in church. Well, what did you learn of Christ? What did you learn of his work on the cross, his work on your behalf? What did you learn about you as a, as a sinner in, in need of a savior? No, I had a great experience today. I left out feeling good. Now, it's not the goal. No, like I said, we want to fall to the wrong ditch and say, okay, it's your goal to get beat up at church. No, that's not what that means. But what it means is church is not about an experience. You come to church to worship God in the acts of worship in church. Prayer, scripture reading, the preaching and hearing of the word, the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and the fellowshipping of the saints. That's what it is about. We, 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 we come to learn and worship and serve our great God, not to have an experience. And that's why churches do all this crazy stuff now. Because they're about entertaining the people, giving them a, it's almost, it's almost like you, you, you're paying to go to a concert. And they sing the songs that tweak at people's emotions. Instead of songs that speak of God and elevate God. And that a theology that you can open up your Bible and say, I see these words in the Bible. No, a lot of them don't, don't go for it now. It's all about a worship experience. That, my friends, is the same spirit in which uh, people reporting mystical experiences look for. It's the same, same spirit, same, same tree, same root. So when we're looking at conjuring up the dead, that's what it's all about. People who say they go to their deceased loved one's grave and sit down and talk to them. You have people who do that. That's heartbreaking, number one, because you're, you're causing yourself more grief because that person is dead. They're either, their spirits are either in heaven before the Lord or they're in hell. But you saying that you're talking to them and they talk back to you, or, or I, I, I hear people talk like that sometimes. Like, that's, that's, that's hard for you to even think like that because. You're causing yourself more grief. Yeah, it's crazy. But we can't conjure up the dead. And so why does God tell them to reject this? Because all these things are an abomination to the Lord. And these things the nations are doing that God is driving out. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Moabites. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all those ites. God is driving them out. They practice those things. You're going to dispossess them. These nations which you would dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, I like this in verse 14. He says, as for you, the Lord has not allowed you to do this or in other words the Lord has not appointed them to this this is not befitting for God's people just Paul said in Ephesians I think it's Ephesians 5 doing those things which are fitting for saints some things are not fitting for saints to do and that is one of those things so if you think about it, our culture has become more and more accepting of these practices and the culture is becoming more and more intolerant of biblical Christianity. Don't we see that today? Spiritism, astrology, all these things are widely practiced in our culture. They are everywhere. They're everywhere. All these practices. They're so common in our culture. How many of you here know someone who is into some of that stuff. Okay. Let me all know people who. Carry a lucky rabbit's foot. That's witchcraft. 
That's witchcraft. Who carry ta uh, talismans and amulets, you know, um, lucky thing things that they, they think bring them good luck. <laughs> that is true. It wasn't even look for the rabbit. You're right. But you have people who that's it's witchcraft. That's what it is. It seems in again white witchcraft. It seems innocent, but it is not. It is still witchcraft. It is still divination. Yes. That's true. Straddling the fence. Yes, ma'am. That is so true. We have to be, and, and that, that's what he's looking for, loyalty. Loyalty to him and to him alone. We can't be loyal to God and practice, you know, mix a little bit of this stuff in there uh, with it. We can't do that. We can't worship God and believe that we can somehow send good vibes to somebody. <laughs> Those two things are not com compatible. I, I I screenshotted this today, uh, a quote on, of course, Facebook that uh, one of my, um, per, I, man, I know a lot of people that, that, you know, what's wrong with me? No. Um, this quote right here, this person said, um, this is an example of um, what happens when you abandon uh, God and you go to most people when they abandon worship of God they worship self but in the worship of self they take on all these practices that feed that worship of self um, this person said okay in be I'm beginning to love me for everything I am and for everything I'm not. <laughs> okay, anyway. Love yourself so much that when people walk out of your life and they will, you will find you you won't find yourself alone. Be your own best friend, be your biggest cheerleader, be your biggest supporter, your biggest motivator. Learn to encourage yourself. Speak life in your life. So you, you have the power to speak life in your, I thought it was God who gives life, but you know, I guess we can, I guess we can speak, uh, speak life into our life. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So you have people that say that about speak, man, don't, 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 don't put that on somebody. You know, don't, don't put those words on me. As if your words actually have power to create things. Only God is the only creator. People are like, don't speak that on me. Don't speak that sickness on me. Don't speak that uh, sickness on me. Don't don't speak that poverty on me. Huh? It's charismatic, and and, and that and that charismatic is is uh is basically is basically witchcraft. Because you're saying that you, your words literally have the power. They take the scripture that uh, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they take that to mean that your tongue or words that you say can actually make things happen for better or for worse. That your mouth has the power. God is the only person who said, let there be and it happened. I'm going to say that again. God is the only being, the only one, the creator God, in the beginning, who created the heavens and earth. Not us, not our words. God is the sovereign creator. God is the only one who spoke. He says, let there be light. And guess what appeared? Light. Only God can do that. We don't have that kind of power. I can't say lights turn off unless it's got a little, unless it's Alexa or something like that. You know, before Alexa, it was a clap on, clap off. Those of us old enough to remember those commercials, right? The old lady, the old lady beside the bed, and she do like this at the end of the commercial. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's still actuated by something. Okay, just like you say, Alexa, whatever, or I want to say say her name, she'll come on. But you know, it. But it's still actuated by something. Okay. So we don't have that power. Those are abominable practices. And then lastly here, as we uh, spend our last 10 minutes in this last section, a new prophet like Moses. It says here, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. And this is Moses speaking in first person. A prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when he said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of the other gods, that prophet shall die. Man. And if you say in your heart, how will we know uh, the word that the Lord has not spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously you need not be afraid of him. So this last section here, this prophet, ultimately, this prophet is the Lord Jesus Christ that God is speaking of. So Moses, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, promised a prophet to come. And it would be first like him, like Moses. Now, also like Moses, this prophet would be from the midst of Israel. It, didn't, uh, it only meant that he would be an Israelite. That's, that's the main thing that it meant. He'd be a man of the people. It says, him you shall hear. So this prophet commanded the attention of the nation, just as Jesus did when, when he spoke. Let him who has ears to hear, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the churches. He who has, it, he who has ears to hear, let him what? Hear. Those are the words that Jesus spoke. Jesus had three uh, offices. He had the office of prophet, priest, and king. And he was the prophet of God. He spoke the words that God sent him to speak. He said in John 5, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So this prophet right here that Moses is speaking of is ultimately pointing to uh, the future prophet uh, who was the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Now, in the first century, the Jews expected a final prophet who the New Testament writers had uh, identified as Jesus. If you look at Acts, I think it's the third chapter. Um, see, Acts 3. I was reading over this. It's 30. Is it verse 33? Verse 23? Let me see. Here it is. Acts 3 and 22. And this is Peter speaking. He said, Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed by the people. And all the prophets who, who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. Okay. So he was speaking of uh, Christ. So Christ is this prophet that this scripture uh, points to. And also this prophet would be a mediator. Christ is our mediator. He is our mediator now as he uh, is in heaven seated at the right hand of God. And he spoke only the words of God. He said himself, man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who was the mouthpiece of God? It was Jesus Christ. So we're looking at this great prophet here. We're looking at Christ. 
Now it says here also that uh, it would be it would require it. God said He would require it of them if they rejected His uh, words. He says, "Whoever verse nineteen will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name. I will require it of him." Of course, Christ's ministry was rejected. His prophetic ministry was rejected by many to their peril. It was rejected by the Pharisees, uh, the Sanhedrin council, and others around him. His prophetic ministry, his ministry as prophet was uh, rejected. So, because in Jesus' day, they were looking for a prophet and he was right there among them. But as the scripture says, he came to his own and his own received him not. Some thought that John the Baptist might be this prophet, but ultimately it was it was Christ. Jesus is that prophet. As we read in uh, basically the whole section of Acts 3, I think verses 19 to 26, uh, Peter is is speaking of Christ as this prophet. And so since he was the true prophet, that meant that you were going to have false prophets rising up. And we saw this in Israel's history uh, where false prophets uh, arose but false prophecy was so dangerous during their day that they were required to be put to death I mean that's that's serious just imagine we had that now right well I would have been dead so <laughs> you know but the point is the principle of that is that the seriousness of being a false prophet of deceiving uh, God's people and most of these false prophets in the Old Testament were doing it for, for profit P-R-O-F-I-T. So he says those who presume to speak a word in God's name. So those who came in God's name in verse 20. It says here they ought to be put to death. And of course one test of false prophecy is if the words do not come to pass then they're not the Lord's words because the Lord's word is always going to come to pass. God's word is always going to come to pass. Everything that Christ spoke came to pass every word that came from the mouth of Christ came to pass there was not one that did not now if a prophet's words do come to pass that doesn't automatically mean that that person is God's prophet okay it doesn't automatically mean that you have to go back to the 13th uh, because in the 13th chapter if you remember if they came to pass, it was a test to Israel to see if they were going to be loyal to God or not. So those false prophets' words did come to pass. It was as a test to Israel to test their loyalty to God. And we talked about that when we went over it. It was a test to see if they were going to be loyal to the Lord or not. So just because a false prophet may get something right every now and then doesn't mean that that validates them being a false prophet or being a true prophet. And God told them that they not they need not be afraid of them because they are uh, they're they're mere men. But if they didn't come to pass, they would be put to death. So what do we learn from all this? First of all, God is the, God is the uh, true prophet. Uh, he mediated his, 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 his uh, well, I'm sorry. Christ is the true prophet of God's people. His words are the one we ought to listen to. Jesus said in John 10 that his sheep hear his voice. We are his sheep. Those of us who are part of Christ, we're his sheep. We know his voice. We know his words. We won't listen to the words of a hireling or a false prophet. We only listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't deviate from the right to the left. And guess what? If we listen to the words of Christ, we won't be given in to practicing witchcraft. If we listen to and heed the words of Christ. Also, if we heed the words of Christ, we won't promote the sacrificing of children in their mother's womb. For the sake of the God of self and the God of convenience. So I'm working on my way backwards in this passage. And also we will 
make sure that those who serve in the Lord's ministry are taken care of. Because we honor the words of Christ, we honor the word of the Lord. So God was telling Israel, honor my words, be loyal to me. God's way is the only way. God's, God's way is the right way. Like 1 Samuel, the 8th chapter, that you know I, I referenced today in the text message I sent out. These people were rejecting God as their king. God told Samuel that. Samuel warned them. And they still said, okay, we still want a king. <laughs> That's basically what they said. You know, okay, I hear you, Samuel. You know, God told them to warn them. And, and, and Samuel obeyed the Lord and did. Israel still said, okay, we still want a king. They were rejecting God. And guess what? God warned them. And guess what happened? Samuel was, I mean, Saul was not a good king. <laughs> at, at all, huh? Yeah, he did. The, the witches, of, witches, of, uh, witches of Endor. Surely did. He went to the, uh, I was going to reference that tonight, but I didn't have time. Uh, I was going to go to that. But yeah, Saul consulted the witches of Endor. And this was the king of God's people who consulted uh, witches. What an abomination that was. Amen. We're going to land right there, right at 7 o'clock. Thank you all for your time. I hope that was a blessing to you all.